Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and their tips for managers to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. Change management is hard. That is one of the main things that sustainability teams ask about, how to maintain energy and, and sustain themselves and resilience, because it is hard work, because you know, you're in one paradigm and you're trying to change that from the inside. That's Pia Heidenmark-Cook, until recently Chief Sustainability Officer at IKEA and its parent company. Since leaving the group earlier this year, she's taken on a series of advisory and non-executive directorships at a number of organizations. In this episode, she talks about the challenges of bringing about change in organizations, achieving long-term goals, leadership role models, and the important distinction between diversity and inclusion. Welcome, Pia, to this manageable conversation. Thank you. Happy to be here. Our last guest was in transition. It strikes me, Pia, that you too are in or have emerged from a transition. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about how it was maybe in the lead up to it, during it, and, and where you feel you are on that transition. It's mm, a good question. It is actually quite difficult when you've been doing an executive career for, for a long time, because it becomes, even if it's work, it becomes part of your identity. Being the CSO uh, of IKEA, which is you know both a title and a well-known company, to find my way of influencing without having that. So I've been reflecting a lot on that. And it, and it is, uh, it's actually quite scary to make that jump because you get a lot of comfort from from having the title. And and where are you now in in terms of that level of comfort? You you, you have quite a, a broad, diverse set of roles. I think my, my driver has always been impact. Um, and of course, then in the sustainability space, how I'm spending so much time reflecting on how can I have help the world, you know, have a positive impact and help the world on this equality uh, journey that we're on. I haven't done a portfolio career, so I'm learning so much from the boards I sit on, the speaking engagements I do and the companies I meet through that. I'm mentoring, I'm finding time for senior advisory, just kind of sharing my learning what I've learned during the last 20 years. I think, you know, we're never too old to learn and find new paths in life. I wonder, Pia, if you could share some successes and perhaps some frustrations or disappointments with executing that global sustainability role that you've filled for such a long time. I think the main successes for me is change management. So it's this moment when you feel that you make it more mainstream, you get more people to, to change the mindset around what sustainability is and, and what it can do for a company. That's that's the success. I think then the hardship or the, the other side is a change management is hard. That is one of the main things that sustainability teams asks about, how to maintain energy and, and sustain themselves and resilience because it is hard work because you know, you're in one paradigm and you're trying to change that from the inside. So I think that's the, the downside. And the other one is you know, being a dedicated sustainability professional for the last 25 years and working with specialists in my team, we always saw how much more was needed. And, and especially the more younger in my team were frustrated. Why are we not making this decision faster? Why? Because the world needs it. You know, the climate needs it. The children needs it. You know, you, you always have that uh, pathos when you work with sustainability. 
and then you you're still sitting with you know in the management team and you're realizing there's two million other topics that's also going on you know COVID for the last two and a half years or decreased sales or changing business models to e-commerce I mean there's so much more going on so how much can the cope with them the leaders and the organization cope with so then you're sitting with that kind of we need to go faster, but we also need to sustain people and, and ma- make this transition happen in a sustainable way. And, and that tension is really, really hard. And, and Pia, from your experience, for there to be organization-wide change, what do you make of the role of managers throughout the organization? As these transitions are enormous, uh, you know, inside a company, but also in society, we don't need a few people. We need everyone. But you need every level. So I think my learning, you know, if I take a societal view, we need NGOs, we need activists, we need government, we need lawyers and legislation coming. We need companies and we need big companies. We need all these startups with these crazy, great ideas. We need all. Um, so it's not to say if only we get the big companies to shift, then we'll all be fine. We need everyone. And, and the same goes in a company that you can't just have the CEO getting it and then all the middle managers, you know, being busy with just fulfilling their KPIs and their day to day, creating value that's not aligned with the sustainability strategy. You need to have that consistency between the North Star. Where are you heading? You need that on all, all levels. Has there been something that has worked particularly well, Pierre? Because I completely relate to the point you just made about people, you know, there are a million things and everyone is very busy. One of the main things is that you need to bring the long term to short term. So you cannot have a 2030 strategy like IKEA has or 2040, 2050, like many companies have, and then kind of feel like I'll keep working and then eventually that will happen. Because that will only happen by changing today, but you don't create that change today if you don't feel it. So you need to change the KPIs, how how you evaluate people, how you praise people, how you prioritize your investment, all of that, you need to bring it to today because otherwise it's just on the paper and it's nothing. But you need to find ways of forcing people to, to get into that. And I think the forcing is stick and carrot. So having this narrative of how people can be part of something bigger than just going to work and get paid and go home helps a lot. Um, incentivizing so that you get the next job or promotion because you did something really good. But then also stick. What happens if you don't achieve your goals? You need to feel it. It needs to be for real. So I think it's that balance of different tools. If you imagine the brilliant manager the one that can pull off this um, balancing act, Pia, what sorts of things come to mind drawing on your experience of leaders and managers that have got this quickly and moved fast? So I think it is that more vulnerable leader, uh, authentic leader, courageous who dares to speak up. It is the leader who fends for his team so that you know that they have your back because you, in these big transitions and transformations, you need to make difficult decisions you need to you know have tough conversations they sound like amazing managers and leaders Pia. I haven't known that many but <laughs> wow. 
How would you characterize the influences on you in your career in different organizations? What's shaped you as the leader you are today? I think sometimes, unfortunately, what influences you is seeing, I wouldn't say bad leaders, it's all about perspective, but leadership traits that I know that for me doesn't resonate and, and seeing those behaviors in action to, to decide not to be like that and, and consciously work towards not being like that. I think, and especially as not now young young woman, but at one point a young woman in, in senior position, seeing quite a lot of women struggling to find their way in a, in a quite male environment, which is most, most corporates still. And I had one woman that was senior to me that was very kind of sharp. And I, I observed and I, I remember coming home to my husband saying, if that's what it takes to be a senior leader, I don't want to do it. Um, because I don't want to be like that. I need to be able to be me. And I am quite emotional. Like my team knows if we achieve something beautiful together, I, I can have tears in my eyes. And I, they knew that. But they know also that I, I really loved working with them and I, I would fight for them. So that became quite a conscious decision. And that's like 20, 22 years ago uh, when I made that, that I cannot hide who I am. And Pia, I'm really curious about the distinction between diversity and inclusion. What about how included you feel? And, and what, if anything, might accelerate inclusion alongside diversity? I think that that's such a good question and important question. I think we, we confuse diversity and inclusion as well, um, because you can have a very diverse in thought or in gender or in you know, sexual preferences or you name it, the geography, but you're not really including everyone and bringing everyone to the table and, and, and everyone being involved. So I think inclusion is what we really want to achieve. So how do you become even more inclusive to those who don't have a voice um, and bring that into the boardroom or into the management team? Yes. And just staying with that topic about inclusion, Pia, any any tips for managers listening that would make them more sensitive, as you said, to these issues and perhaps accelerate inclusion? Uh, it's such a difficult one, especially because we, we still seem to work so much in these hierarchical organizations. But maybe reflecting on how much time are you spending with those below you in the hierarchy versus those above you in the hierarchy? Are you really listening to them? Are you doing your mentoring, just meeting someone who is 25 and sitting and listening and reflecting on, on, on their world, their fears, their, their learnings and, and their, you know, brilliance? Um, so maybe just taking a step back and reflecting, who are you interacting with? Because, you know, the, the, the more senior you get and the older you get, you kind of tend to playing just like in school, you play with the same crowd. And then we don't get that diversity of thought. We don't get the inclusion because we just talk to the same people all the time. Yes, it's a, it's a great point, Pierre. And I remember when I was a trainee getting in lifts and sometimes, you know, the CEO would be joining you in the lift and, you know, you could see that they were a bit petrified. You know, they thought, oh, my God, what am I going to talk to this person about? And who is this person? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to tell me that the coffee machine is not working or the company is crap. And I don't want to hear because I just want to go to the <laughs> top floor so I can keep doing whatever. Yeah. Yes. But we need yes. to, you know, like we need to dare to talk to each other. And I'm, you know, so happy to COVID is kind of over, not everywhere in the world, but, but we need to meet and have those conversations and remember that we, we're all human beings and we, we have so much in common, even though right now, unfortunately, it feels like we, we, 
you know, we polarize more and more, but there's so much we have in common. What a great point to 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 end with, Pia. I'm, I'm really thankful for you taking some time out to share your thoughts with us today. Thanks a lot, Farley. It was lovely talking to you. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.